The following audio was recorded at Stone Oak Bible Church. For more information about our church or for more resources, visit us at stoneoakbible.com. Thank you for joining us this morning for uh, enduring not so much the heat today, but the humidity. I uh, woke up this morning and knew it was going to be a warm morning. I knew we were going to be outside, and I checked the, the temperature, and it was a cool 73, and I thought, yes. But then I scrolled down a little bit further, and I saw 96% humidity, and I said, no. You can feel it. It is thick in the room, and that's okay. Um, many of our brothers and sisters across the world would be grateful and honored to simply gather in a setting such as we have. We are free to publicly proclaim the gospel, and we typically will be meeting indoors where we have air conditioning and um, sound equipment. So as, as we sit here and we are uh, uncomfortable at times, may we remember the gospel is greater than the Church of the West. May we remember the, the persecution that many of our brothers and sisters still to this day uh, endure to gather together to sit underneath the, the preaching of God's word. Uh, I haven't been up on the stage to preach in two years. It feels incredible that it's been this long. Last year, because of COVID, the only time I was able to preach was online to a camera. And so I am grateful to once again uh, be preaching the word of God with you, my church, Stone Oak Bible Church. One of the things that we love here at this church is to have different individuals stand behind, I'll call this the pulpit, stand behind this pulpit. And what we really are signifying is that we are standing underneath the Word of God. And through that, we, it's not a single communicator which uh, gives us our message as a church, but is the Word of God that gives us our message. And one of the ways that we can um, vocalize that, not through any uh, big means or anything, but is to have different individuals preaching the text faithfully. I am honored and grateful uh, for my brothers that have stood at this pulpit and have continued to proclaim the word faithfully. As I stand here, it's very distracting, I'm sure, for you. It was distracting the very first time we had an outdoor service because right behind me is this massive mural of the Riverwalk of, of San Antonio. If you're joining us online, uh, we're in an outdoor pavilion um, and on the stage, there is a, a mural that goes completely side to side. It is, it is painted on there. Um, it is, it's beautiful. It's gorgeous. Have you ever tried to paint? Have you ever actually like painted, not like your house, not the walls in your house or uh, in your child's bedroom whenever they decide a year later after you just spent so much time painting that they wanted a completely different color? I don't know who would ever have done that. But have you ever like painted, like purchased a real canvas? And purchased not like the Hobby Lobby brushes, but like gone to an art store and actually bought like the real quality paint brushes. Where you have gone and you've, you've not just gone to the children's section and grabbed Crayola, but you have purchased actual paints. There is a beauty in the process of, of painting. I was not gifted with the ability to paint anything uh, that I would say is beautiful or wonderful. 
my paintings never quite turn out the way that I imagine that they will whenever I spend so much money on canvases and brushes and paints. The idea in my head is never quite the outcome of, of what I get to. D despite my best intentions and my best desires, my paintings are rather poor. I, however, can draw a sweet stick figure. If you ever need one of those, just be sure and call me, I've got you, okay? Uh, relationships can often feel like paintings. We have often good intentions, but they don't often go as planned. Have you ever forgiven someone for a wrong that they have done to you? Has there ever been a, a time within your life as a Christian, or even if you're here as a non-Christian, we, we welcome you, where someone has done something to harm you, to wrong you? I think most of us have, have experienced some form of trauma uh, within our own lives. Some of us have had a chance to deal with the traumas that have been inflicted upon us and included in that processing of uh, the trauma that has been inflicted upon us, we have been able to offer forgiveness to that party. What about the opposite though? Has there been a time in your life where you have wronged someone and they have offered forgiveness? Either intentionally or unintentionally, uh, you have harmed someone. You possibly told that person that you were sorry and you requested their forgiveness. It's wonderful when forgiveness is offered, but what happens when it's not? What does it feel like to be the party that has harmed another person and you're not forgiven of it? Or what does it feel like to be wronged and never have the other party offer forgiveness? For most of you here today, I would assume that you can relate to the first group of people uh, more than actually the second. Is there anyone in your own life right now that is still waiting on your forgiveness? Possibly there was a caretaker in your early life, your mother or your father, that has wronged you in some way. Possibly it was a friend that you cared very deeply about maybe even one of your children, or a spouse. They harmed you and they cut you deep. For most of us, people are probably flooding through our minds right now as we discuss the topic of forgiveness. There's potentially individuals that are already beginning to, to filter into our minds. Maybe as you're thinking about them right now, it, it causes anxiety, it causes your blood to boil within you you don't maybe even feel that they deserve your forgiveness. The Christian life and the non-Christian life, it's, it's full of instances where sin permeates and causes harm from one individual to another. Relationships are difficult. If you're young in this room and you haven't experienced yet any sort of wrongs done to you, unfortunately, they probably will come later. You're sitting in a, a room full of people that have both experienced wrong and have also at times been wrong and harmed others. For the next three weeks, we'll be looking at a book within the New Testament 
that is in fact the shortest book in the New Testament according to the Greek letters. This is the book of Philemon. You can go ahead and turn there now if you desire. Uh, The book of Philemon, you can find it towards the back of your Bibles. It's sandwiched between what are known as the pastoral epistles, which are 1st, 2nd Timothy and Titus, and the book of Hebrews. So if you get to Hebrews, you've gone too far. If you hit Timothy, Titus, keep on going a little bit further. It's most likely just a single page within your Bible. This letter is actually only 25 verses long. And we, this morning, get the opportunity to walk through it, and over the course of the next three weeks, to walk through it slowly. The book of Philemon, it's, it's full of forgiveness. My hope for our next three weeks together is that we understand God better, therefore we then understand ourselves and our actions better. Will you pray with me this morning as we look towards the book of Philemon? Father, we declare first and foremost, God, that you are sovereign, Lord, that you are seated upon the throne. Father, as it is warm out here, God, we are reminded of the global church. And Father, we pause, Lord, and we thank you first for your mercy, God, for allowing us to meet in the the way and the fashion that we do. And Father, we also are desiring, Lord, for others to be able to live their faith out um, outside of persecution. God, as we look at the book of Philemon, Father, may your words illuminate. Father, we ask that you would use your spirit, Father, to bring the the text upon these pages to life. And Father, may it impact our hearts this morning. We pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So before we hop into this letter uh, and look at what God has for us, I would love to read the entire letter first. Uh, Then I'm going to give you an overview, quick history on the letter, And then we're just going to dive into the first seven verses of this letter today. So I'm going to read the book of Philemon, beginning in verse 1. It says this, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apaphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house, grace to you, and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my brother Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I'm sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I preferred to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. For this perhaps is why he parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord? So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge it to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. Yes, brother, 
I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. One of the great things about this book is that the main content of the book, it's found in these 25 verses. It's relatively easy to figure out what's going on here. Paul is the author of this letter. He is writing here from prison. Uh, The letter is written, as we see at the end of verse 1 there, to a man named Philemon. This is where the letter derives its name from. The text here can be easily broken up into four sections, and most likely the publisher of your Bible has chosen to break it up into these four sections. First section is the greeting, verses 1 through 3. Second section is Philemon's love and his faith, verses 4 through 7. Third section covers the bulk of the letter. Uh, The bulk of the content here that Paul is really driving towards Philemon, that's going to be verses 8 through 22, and the last section is Paul's farewell, verses 23 through 25. This morning, as I said, we will cover just the first two sections, verses 1 through 7. Our New Testament is comprised of many letters. Most of the letters within the New Testament are written by the same author, Paul. There are a total of 27 books within your New Testament. Of those 27, 21 of them are considered to be letters. Of those 21, Paul wrote the most at 13. In Christianese and Christian speak, we like to use fancy words. If you ever hear someone discussing the Pauline epistles, all they're talking about are the letters written by Paul. It's a fancy way of saying it. So Pauline refers to the penman, the individual who wrote what God had ordained for him to write. Uh, epistles, simply meaning letter. It's the Greek uh, word for, for letters. In most of the Pauline epistles, they begin the same way. This greeting that we see to Philemon is very similar to Paul's other writings. In fact, you can turn back a few pages. You can check out his greeting to Titus. You can check out his greeting to, to Timothy. You can go back to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. You can see the greetings and see how similar Paul is in in almost all of his greetings. Although the greeting is familiar, I don't want to just gloss over it and and run through it. There is, I think, some tremendous pieces that God has placed within this greeting alone uh, for our encouragement, for our edification, and ultimately for our sanctification to look more like Christ. So we'll begin here in verse 1. It says, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker. Paul here identifies himself as the author of this letter. Uh, for some of the books in our Bible, it's, it's more difficult to figure out who the author is. There's uh, oftentimes controversy regarding who wrote it. Uh, this book is not one of those. Regardless of who put the ink to this scroll within this text, we ultimately know that these are the words of God. Uh, from the book of Genesis, we believe that God is ultimately the author of our scripture. Uh, It is not some man's opinions or some thoughts, but instead the very voice of God given by the pen of a man. In this case, the penman is Paul. As I already mentioned, Paul is a significant writer in the New Testament. Uh, Paul is, however, much more than just a simple writer. 
He is one of the primary characters that we see through the book of Acts at the beginning of the church. If you're unfamiliar with Paul, he was at that time known as Saul. He was known as Saul um, and was tasked with killing and punishing Christians. While out walking one day, God intervened and completely changed Saul's life. Along with that change of life came a new name to what we now know him as Paul. Paul then continues to preach about Christ, and ultimately, this leads him to his current state of affairs that we see within the book of Philemon. Paul, a prisoner. Paul is currently in prison. The statement is an interesting one, as it almost carries with it a a double meaning. Paul here is physically in prison, from a simple reading, this should be relatively clear. Paul call himself, calls himself a prisoner because he is in prison. Makes sense. Beyond that reading, though, there's an understanding of, of why Paul is in prison. He's in prison, as he says, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, because of Christ. He's in, pr- in prison because he continued to proclaim the message, the message of the gospel that he was told to stop, to cease for, it, for the, the proclamation of the gospel. It was for this exact reason that Paul is now in chains. Paul was unwilling here to, to change his message, to change his methods, or to stop speaking his message. May we be like Paul. We continue to hear stories of the persecution of our Christian brothers and sisters from around the world. You can see the trajectory of the United States, and depending on how you look at it, it could be great or it could be terrible. I suggest today, Christian, you make your decision now. If you are told to no longer preach the truth of Christ, will you obey or will you disobey? At what point does the message of the gospel become more important than your own life? My fear right now is for the church of the West that the gospel isn't even worth our calendars, let alone our life. Are you willing to move around your calendar to be with the body of Christ? Are you willing to move around your schedule to read the word of God? Are you willing to place yourself under the authority of God and accept whatever comes your way? One of the reasons that I love church history is because we get to see the unwavering faith of the saints of old. We see many of them getting Uh, giving completely of themselves, even to the point of death for the gospel. Many of them died in terrible and inconceivable ways. They were burned, they were stoned, they were crucified. Does the gospel matter that much to you? After all, the message of the gospel is that Christ has died for you. His death has justified us with God. You mattered that much to God, that he sent his only son to die in your place. This greeting with Paul identifying himself as a prisoner, it's slightly different than his normal greetings for letters. Normally, Paul chooses to identify himself with this word, Paul, an apostle. This isn't the case for Philemon, though. Martin Luther says this, Paul empties himself of his rights to compel Philemon also to waive his rights. 
It is possible that Paul here is, is not using the title of apostle because he knows that what he is going to ask of Philemon will come across better with humility than with authority and with power. As we continue to look at verse one, we see that Paul has someone else here with him. He has Timothy, our brother. Timothy was apparently known to Philemon and he was possibly with Philemon and with Paul when Paul was ministering in Ephesus. Either way, Paul is letting Philemon know that this letter carries more than his own authority, but that also of Timothy, and ultimately, the authority of God himself. So Paul is now given his hello, and he lets us know who the intended audience is, the intended recipient of this letter. It is Philemon, but it goes beyond that. He also includes Apaphia, Archippus, and the church in Philemon's house. All of these individuals are only mentioned here, though. They're not mentioned again in, throughout the letter. Uh, the, last, the rest of the letter is written specifically to Philemon. Notice here how Philemon is addressed. He's called our beloved fellow worker. Philemon was a follower of Christ and uh, was somehow working to spread the message of Christ. Commentators suggest that Philemon at this time was uh, potentially the pastor of the church of Colossae. Paul acknowledges here Philemon's efforts for the kingdom of God. The other names mentioned here are possibly Philemon's wife and his son. However, Paul also chooses to address the whole church that Philemon has meeting in his house. It shows us two things. First, it shows us Philemon was most likely very wealthy. He had a large enough house for a, a gathering of people to meet in. Secondly, Paul is letting the whole church know that Paul is going to ask Philemon what to do. Just pause here for a second. How would you feel if one of our elders wrote you a letter and requested you to do a better job of loving your spouse? This comes because it has come to our attention that you're doing a poor job of it. But instead of simply writing this letter and delivering it to you on the side, we decide that it would be best to be read in front of the whole church. In fact, next Sunday, as we're gathering, we're going to read this publicly. How does that make you feel? What are your thoughts that are coursing through your head right now? For me, it's, it feels very weird, very odd. However, how likely would you be to change your behavior regarding how you love your spouse if it is read in front of the entire church? There is an accountability that is automatically baked in whenever that does occur. And if you decide not to make the change, then everyone here would know and probably would be asking about it and following up with you. So why here is, is Paul putting Philemon on blast? He's doing this exactly because of what you feel right now. He wants to see a response. He wants the gathering not to be a Philemon, you must do this, but to be a, a sense of accountability for Philemon in this endeavor. Confrontation, however, will be most successful when relationship is first established. Without a relationship, the likelihood of somebody accepting confrontation is relatively low. 
However, it's much higher when the rebuke comes from someone that you trust, someone that you have a relationship with, someone that you love. It's one of the reasons I believe that it's important to both know people and to be known by people, specifically here within the body of Christ. We are all on this journey of looking more like Christ. This journey has a name called sanctification. In order for us to grow into Christ, oftentimes, it involves some pain. It involves others speaking into our lives with love and at times rebuke. The process of community is biblical. It's one way that God has ordained to help refine us. He can use others to help mold us and to shape us. Philemon apparently has a church meeting in his house here. This is not uncommon throughout scripture. Uh, The church is not defined to the building it meets in, uh, but instead is defined by the gathering of people. Thank goodness that's the case as we are a mobile church I'm appreciative that we are not defined by uh, the exterior walls or the lack of exterior walls as we are here in this pavilion. Uh, We do not own any part of this building or uh, the normal area that we meet in. We are able to rent this facility. This is the uh, fourth location actually that we have utilized in our existence as a church. We're uh, almost six and a half years old and we've been in four different places. Thank goodness it is not our location that makes us Stone Oak Bible Church, but instead, it is you. Wherever we choose to gather together, we will be Stone Oak Bible Church. The idea of a specific building, in fact, dedicated to the worship of God, it has its roots in the Old Testament temple, but we don't see any buildings, or what we would commonly call today churches, we don't see any of them Uh, erected until around 300 AD. That's the first time that we ever see a group of people gathering together um, and establishing a building as what we would call today their church. The oldest recording, uh, I believe it was 296 AD, they took a large house, they broke down some interior walls, uh, did some Chip and Joanna Gaines material inside of, of the facility, and created the very first what we know as church building. It was then that churches decided a specific building location would be helpful. I, as one of the pastors of this church, would love to have a specific building for Stone Oak Bible Church to gather in. As of this time, we don't have our own facility. Maybe in the future we will. Don't let our building define who we are as a congregation. We are, and always will be, Stone Oak Bible Church, not because of the walls that surround us, but because of the common faith that we hold together. Paul continues here in verse 3 with a typical greeting in his letters. He he begins with the, I would say, the two most important words possibly within this entire letter. He says this in verse 3, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. These two words are possibly the simplest way to communicate the gospel. It is by God's grace that we are given peace. If you have not yet placed your your faith in Christ this morning, again, thank you for being here. You are welcome here. 
If you hear nothing else this morning, please hear this. These two words are the most important words that help to define us as Christians. God has created all things. We see in the very first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, that God has created everything, the sky, the water, the earth, the animals, and even man and woman. Man was created to bear the image and the likeness of God. We were created in his image. Because we were created by God and made in his image, every person has intrinsic value built in. Everything at this point seems great. However, it does not stay this way. In Genesis 3, man chooses his own ways instead of the ways that God has declared for him and sins. This separates man from God. We were in need of restoration with the God that has created us. We were unable to restore ourselves. As the book of Ephesians chapter 2 says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. A dead person is unable to save themselves. They need to rely upon another. God has established a way. This way came through his son, Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23 tells us that the wages of sin is death. This is what we deserve. The death was paid for. It was paid for with grace. Jesus Christ died upon the cross for you. This is the grace that Paul is referring to. It is through this grace and this grace alone that we are given peace with God. Peace can only be obtained by Jesus' death. We can see this worked out across our world. Many people try to find their own peace through their work, through their finances, through their success. Often these things leave people feeling empty. You can have peace in your bank account and your bills and still not yet feel at peace. It's only through the grace of God that we receive peace. Church, grace and peace to each of you this morning. I would love to talk with you more regarding this grace and peace. At the end of my time preaching, I will be standing towards the back corner, and I would love to continue this conversation regarding grace and peace if you have any questions. I implore you, do not leave this morning without understanding this grace and this peace that I speak of. So we're now done here with, with Paul's initial introduction. So it's time that we, we hop into the actual letter. So Paul starts with letting Philemon know that he thanks God each time he thinks about Philemon. Who do you thank God for? Who are the people that God has used within your own life to help sanctify you? Do you have spiritual mentors within your life? Do you have people that without them you wouldn't be the same person that you are today? Thank God for them. Also, if you're still able, be sure and thank that person. Many times we don't know the impact that we will have on others' lives. How encouraging it is when you get the opportunity to hear from someone that your life has, has, has had an impact on. I hope that in five, 10, 50, 100, 1,000 years, many people will remember back to the people of Stone Oak Bible Church and say thank you for the impact that we had upon their lives, for the impact that God has used us. I desire for everyone within our church to have 
someone that they can look up to for mentoring, for discipling of them. Along those same lines, I hope that everyone in our church also has someone that they're investing in. If you'd like to, to find someone to mentor or to disciple you, or if you're looking for someone to mentor or to disciple, I suggest start with the circles around you. Start with family. Start with work. Start with the social events that you gather at. Uh, if you need some help connecting the dots, let me know again. Again, I'll be standing at that back corner and love to have a conversation regarding grace and peace first and foremost. But also I'd love to have a discussion regarding mentoring and discipleship. Paul here lists out the reasons he has for thanking God for Philemon. Paul is thankful for Philemon because of his love for God and for others. This should sound very familiar. Blanca read to us Deuteronomy 6 this morning. It's loving God and loving others. Christ says these same words in Matthew chapter 22. Philemon here is living this out. He's loving God and he's loving others. Are you today living this out? Do you love God? Do you love others? Loving God oftentimes seems easier for most of us compared to loving others. It's because others are like us. Others are sinful. And so are we. People can be difficult to love, yet we are still called to love. Notice that the text does not say to love those that are easy to love. Notice also what Paul's doing here. He's remembering Philemon in his prayers. This here is what is known as an intercessory prayer. It is uh, simply praying on behalf of another. This should be a regular rhythm within our own lives. My fear is that we are uh, not simply praying for others, but we are actually seldom praying for anything. What have you prayed for this week? Think back to your Monday, your Tuesday. What did your prayers look like on those days? And then how has God responded? Has God answered those prayers? Have you thanked him for the response? What did you pray for this morning before attending and before coming to church this morning? Let's give a, a quick plug. We have a fantastic prayer team here at our church. If you would like to get involved, again, I'm going to be in that back corner. I would love to connect you with our prayer team so that you can get involved. It can be intimidating. And also, prayer teams are like one of the least signed up events ever. Because you say, I don't know these people and they're expecting me to pray. That's not going to be the case. You can come and simply be a fly on the wall and they would love to have you. Paul then here lists what he is specifically praying for Philemon about. Read verse 6 with me. He says this, And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Paul says he is praying for the sharing of Philemon's faith. Uh, the reading of this will probably cause most of us to think about evangelism. Um, in my opinion, it's not what he is directly referring to here. He isn't referring to Philemon sharing his faith externally but he's instead discussing the sharing of his faith with all of the saints that Paul has just referred to. The sharing of his faith means the practical kindness here that Philemon has demonstrated. We can see this already in the fact that Philemon has opened up his own home for a gathering to meet there. He's using here his physical resources for others. How are you sharing your faith with your brothers and sisters here? Not in an evangelism sense, which I definitely hope you are doing, but in the sense that it enriches, it edifies 
your brothers and your sisters around you. Paul clarifies this here with the remainder of verse six. A commentary on the verse states this. We summarize our exegetical decisions in this verse in a paraphrase. So this is the author saying, hey, here's how we take everything that we just said and summarize it. Here's their summary. Philemon, I am praying that the mutual participation that arises from your faith in Christ might become effective in leading you to understand and put into practice all the good that God wills for us and that is found in our community and do all this for the sake of Christ. Paul ends this section here with a personal note. He has joy and he has comfort from the love that Philemon has shown to others. Philemon has cared for his brothers and his sisters around him and in doing so has brought joy and comfort, happiness and satisfaction to Paul. Praise God when others bring us joy and comfort. When was the last time that someone else brought you joy and comfort as you simply got to watch them from a distance? So we've just walked through the first seven verses of this book. I would love to make some final observations and some applications. First is this. This letter is written with relationship at the forefront. Relationship is so foreign to many of us today. We live in an individualized society. What does relationship look like for you right now? Do you have a solid core of relationships around you? If not, I urge you to establish these. In fact, I urge you to establish these within this body right here after service even. There's great joy and comfort being in, caring for, and being cared for by the body of Christ. It can be scary. I understand that. However, I want you to know that I am broken and so are you. It is only through Christ that we are able to become whole. I encourage you to get into mutual relationships with the body of Christ. Second, Paul cares for Philemon. He cares for him so much that he's willing to ask, as we'll see later, a very tough question. Do you love and care for people enough to ask them difficult questions? Do you love and care for people enough to respond honestly when they ask you those difficult questions? There's an individual within this church that's very honest when you ask him, how are you doing? That's typically the response and the question of of small talk, how are you? And the the response is fine. We all understand that culturally. That's that's what we're, we're doing. This individual, though, caught me off guard the very first time I asked this question. I said, how are you? And his response, terrible. Praise God. Praise God for the honesty, for the love of a brother to respond with with just an honest and open heart. He cares enough to be honest. The last thing I want to point you towards, grace and peace to you. This letter only makes sense because of the grace that has been offered to Philemon and the grace that has been offered to us through Christ. Again, this morning, this is the thing that I would love for you to hear. The remainder of this letter will be concerning forgiveness. 
The forgiveness, however, is evident even in this introductory section. While the remainder of this letter is focused on forgiveness between two individuals, this morning I hope that you hear that forgiveness is offered to you through Jesus Christ. My hope and my desire is for you to understand this morning that forgiveness is offered to you today. As I said this morning at the very beginning, painting is very messy. Whenever you go out and you buy that canvas and you grab the paints and you grab the paint brushes, especially if you have children that do this, you can often see whenever people are in the grocery store and they've recently painted because it's on their hands, it's sometimes in your hair, on your shoes. If we were to go back to where they began the painting, you would probably even see the area around where they were painting and you can see that the paint has impacted those areas. It is my prayer this morning that as we have heard from the word of God, that it has left an imprint that is visible, that it is seen, that upon our hands and upon our bodies and upon even the areas surrounding us, that those outside of this pavilion will see that we have painted. We have painted with the creator who's has the ultimate paintbrushes and has painted the world that we know around us.